Yo, what up guys? Welcome to Faded Town, the number one Pokemon podcast in the world. These are facts. Um, he might not agree over here, but it doesn't matter. You gotta focus. He, he's gotta be one of the guys that focus stats that shit or Google it, go to your local library, fucking just look that shit up. And you'll find that answer. Um, it's Friday, guys. Um, and we're back with another one-on-one. And uh, the champ is here, guys. The fucking champ is here. Um, uh, also, the, the Taco Bell fucking meme lord that brought Taco Bell to the Pokemon community. Uh, we got Nico. What's going on, man? Yeah, it's going good. I mean, yeah. Taco Bell is busted, so what can I do? Dude, dude, the fucking Twitch chat was going wild. <laughs> Every time you play Taco Bell, Taco Bell. I was like, dude, where's his sponsorship? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Hit me up, Taco Bell, if you see this. I mean, it is the number one Pokemon podcast in the world. They're obviously watching. Um, but let's let's just jump into it. How did uh how did you get into this game at all? Yeah, so I mean, basically, just like a lot of people that like are part of Pokemon, I've been having like some connection to Pokemon as far as like since I can remember when I was like five, six years old, even. I was, like, just collecting cards, of course. Like, I mean, back then I was too young, or at least my parents thought I was too young to actually have, like, a Game Boy or something. So it was mostly just, like, watching other people play, um, watching the anime, of course, and collecting cards, as I said. Then it just continued. Eventually, I played the games and everything. And then uh, in school, it was usually, like, right after elementary school, most people, like, that was when Yu-Gi-Oh! got, like, super popular, at least in Germany. So we played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh, but then um, eventually one guy came with like a giant pile of Pokemon cards. <laughs> and of course, I had cards like for my life. So we just like wanted to learn how to play the game because, I mean, as most people, when you just collect, you just don't know the rules. Yeah. And yeah, we just started learning how the game works, bought packs, of course, bought decks and everything. And then one day he just said, yo... Not too far away from here, there's like a Pokemon tournament, the regional championship back in the day, or like state championships, Mm -hmm. how they were called. We went there, and yeah, I've been stuck in this uh, community for 11 years now. Wow. Um, So you go, you go, um, how old were you when you, when you first started competitive? Like what? Uh, 13. 13. So what, were you seniors? Yeah, I started in seniors, and then like... My first half a year, basically, when I played in the first season was just like I played two tournaments in seniors. Uh, Then the season after was still seniors, but um, for the first half of the season, I was still just like playing whatever I had. Because back then, I mean, nowadays, you go to any tournament, you see someone that's like, hey, this is my first tournament. And he shows up with a (laughs) full blinked out ADP Zashian deck and you're like, "Okay." okay. But back then, we were just playing with what we had and then... Um, at Christmas in uh, 2009, I decided to, like, for the first time, um, open booster boxes. So I just, like, okay. my, on my Christmas wish list, I just put booster boxes. So I uh, got one box from Platinum and one from uh, Rising Rivals. So I just got a lot of, like, actual playable cards, built the SP deck, and then started playing Luxtrump and went from there, basically. That's what's up. <clears throat> so... When when did you decide that like you're just gonna you're gonna start traveling and shit? Was that later on when you hit master? How was your like 
Because I'm, I'm looking at your Limitless, and obviously it doesn't go all the way back to 11 years, but when did you decide that you were good at this game and that you were going to take it serious? Uh, so it's, I mean, um, in the US, I know a lot of people, like back in the day, of course, also like regionals traveled across the country and everything. But in Europe, we didn't really have like super big tournaments aside from nationals and then like some states. So at the beginning, I, for the first couple of years, just played the tournaments that were nearby. And if something like uh, the European Challenge Cup or like nationals were um, somewhat nearby or yeah, we, we just went there and with time, it just like kept continuing. Like we went further, for example, at the beginning, the first I went was like one and a half hours from home for like um, better road, city championships and everything. And then all of a sudden, when you got older, like we traveled five hours to regionals, um, went like via night bus and then went back because back in the days you didn't really like book f- hotels and everything. Right. And then eventually, of course, the cash era basically came around and you had to basically travel if you wanted to play the game actively. And that's also when I continued to travel out of like Germany, aside from like the European Challenge Cup, which I played like twice, I think, in the Netherlands, which is still pretty close to here. Uh, and then, yeah, it just went further and further. Eventually, like I sees in Brazil, I sees in North America <laughs> and so on. And, like, the first time I really, like, went out of the country was 2014 Worlds when I played Worlds for the first, first time. time. Was that was that the first year you qualified? Uh, I, actually, I actually qualified in uh, 2012, but I... Okay. First of all, it was Hawaii, so, like, super expensive. Yeah. And second, I was not 18, so I had to find someone to go with me. So And I didn't yeah. find someone, so I just couldn't go, so I had okay. to... And I actually didn't qualify in 2014. I went to play the last chance qualifier. Oh. So you basically had to like win seven rounds in a row. I was 6-0 and then lost in top eight. Oh, and God. actually, that was the only time when they only let four people through the LCQ. So every other year would have gone into the main event. That's fucked up. Yeah. It, <clears throat> I talked to a lot of players about that. Do you, do you like that system with the last chance qualifier better than where they have the open now? It's really, really difficult. On one side, of course, last chance qualifier is like a super fiesta because you just <laughs> like you you don't have your invite and then you try to win a seven round tournament, like go seven and zero. Oh, otherwise, you don't qualify, which is like right. probably pretty demotivating for anyone that's not in the US, which like can buy cheap flights, for example. That's true. But but I also don't fully agree with the current structure because as it's right now, you have like. The difference basically between place like 22, for example, in Europe or 16 in America and then 17 or 23 is so gigantic because like one person gets a travel award to Worlds, automatically qualifies for day two, and the other guy gets nothing. So I feel like there should be some like in between that people um, in a certain like placement get buys for like the day one. Mm -hmm. And I really hate the system of the Open because... Um, like Worlds is supposed to be Worlds and actually if you don't make like top 16, top 32 at Worlds, you basically lose out on something because you can't earn CP for the next season and you also gain nothing because you don't get pricing. So they either should like reintroduce, which they had before, like uh, CP if you are in day two 
or like pricing for every placement in day two, or just remove the open all together because like right now that just like doesn't make sense and demotivates players and then people have to try getting into the open if they don't get through day one. So that's like <laughs> all kinds of stuff that annoy people. Remember Nashville's called the Nashville closed because like no one could get into that fucking tournament. Yeah, I mean that was crazy. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna open spots. Uh, uh, we're gonna open fifty spots at nine o'clock. Nine nine o'clock hits nothing. You can't get in. It's full. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what the fuck is that? It's just super funny. stupid. And and the lower they will like set the invite. For example, in Europe, it keeps like getting lower, 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 or just saying about the same. Right. The more people will attend Worlds, and the more people attend Worlds, the more people will just, like, try to play the Open, because they're already at Worlds. So they should just remove it that, like, people can actually enjoy the, like, World Championship Tournament, which is once per year. So it's, like, should be something special and not, like, okay, hmm, I might want to play the Open. And then even this year, where they had two Opens, because there were too many people. people. It's, like... I don't know. I don't know. I've always been an advocate of that we need an off-season. So, like... It just feels so wrong to be, like, at Worlds, this huge tournament is happening, and then right behind you, the next season's already started. Some people are getting points for next year behind you. Yeah, I mean, like, people are already grinding yes. when the season no I'm like, so. I'm like, we need a fucking, there needs a break. Like, I get yeah. it. People like to play this whole thing, but, like, all sports pretty much have a break. Like, yeah. you need something. You need... Even if it's like a month or two, like just give us at least worlds. Like that, you're right on that. It's a little ridiculous for like people are already grinding, and especially like if you're our top sixteen player or twenty two where you're at, like that they get an advantage to start off the year. If you're oh, I did good at worlds, but fucking Jesper won the won the fucking thing, so he's already up there. This is yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh. they and like they don't have to do nothing for people that get eliminated from day one. They could just have different side events, like different like side events without CP. Right. They so. could, there's there's stuff to do. There's stuff you can do. Like I don't no. know. There, it's it's um it's weird. And like I I seen on Twitter where everyone was talking about the grind for top sixteen and how toxic it is. And. I've I've always been an advocate of saying that it's it's not a good system and it's like it just promotes very um, pay pay to be at the top. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially but, now that they like did the bullshit with the eight cups per quarter. Best that shit's limit. fucking insane. I mean, I've, I, like, I mean, there are people that literally skip out on regionals to rather play double cup weekends. Yeah, and I think that's it's not like, like how the game should be. Yeah, should be played. This, I don't know. I don't even know how. Like, people came up with a bunch of ideas on how to fix it. And like, I mean, when I read them, like, I don't know if that fixes it. It's just the whole system just needs a revamp, in my opinion. Yeah. But, but let's get let's get back into you. So, um. What what do you do outside of the game, or, or for work, or are you in school still, or what's going on with that? Yeah, I'm I'm still in school. I'm studying uh, business psychology. So okay, yeah. okay. So you're a student, which um, it's been a very like um, very trend to see that most of the top players in this game are either full time Pokemon or they're students that play yeah, Pokemon. I mean, 
And like, um, I mean, I, it makes sense, I guess. Like, you you dedicate most of your time. Like, obviously, you you do well at school, or you try to do well at school. But then the rest of your time is dedicated to Pokemon, which is which is um, it's good. I think that. But I, I'd like to see some type of trend where where you get a player that that's like a full time working person that's good. But it's hard. I mean, I, the grind is so hard in this game. I mean, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to find the time to mm-hmm. test. And also, motivation if you like work x amount of hours per day, and then you still need to motivate yourself to right. like play test and everything. Yeah, it's it's a little nutty. So uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at your long list. So. Uh, obviously, most of your events are in in Europe. Um, when when did Europe decide to be like so? Like when when you look at it, Europe now. Like obviously, you guys get a lot of shit for oh, like it's Europe. They have lower um, players and this. But when when you go international, you guys dominate. So it's like, where did that even come from? Like. I don't, I don't like limitless has been is it is it just you guys found a good group of players and and it is what it is like you guys are dominating that way I mean of course we found a super um like good crew of players to test with and talk about like super strong players that like have been I mean most of them have been or like most of us have been in the game for more than 10 years so of course, the experience also adds to this. And, yeah, I mean, I guess Todd uh, ended up making the decision that Europe uh, is going to be broken when he won <laughs> the first NAIC and then... You just yeah. kept going. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty nutty because, like, I mean, to be honest, you guys didn't have the respect that you guys have now. Um, and even even today, if you if you listen to any of the some of the content on YouTube when they talk about these European regionals, it's like, do they really count? I'm like... I'm like, um, yeah, like, um, Nico just won the fucking internationals. Like, these, what they're doing is, they're doing something special. And, like, to be honest, when's the last time our Americans won Worlds? Like, we, we, Ooh, that's... exactly. I'm like, you want to, you want to sit here. Yeah. You want to sit here and talk about how American regionals are, are so much harder because there's so many more people and, um, the players are as good. It's like, yeah, but when's the last time we're, like, really performing? In, in, in huge events. It's, I mean, we get some ICs, like you get Danny in them, but it's not as consistent as someone like Tord or or um, Gustavo Wada or, or, or uh, Stefan. Like these, these international players, like there might not be a lot of you, but you guys are very dominant. Um, I mean, of, co- of course, before like ICs and everything was, I mean, it's fair to assume that Europe was a weaker region up until like shortly before the cash era. There was rarely any Europeans in like world's finals or world's top four. And of course, like our tournaments were uh, like were way smaller. Like our regionals yeah. like had 50 players because <laughs> we had like so many and they were like spread out and everything. And American regionals, of course, I mean, they also had a bigger prize pool, so it makes sense that they yeah. had more players. Um, yeah, but then of course, ICs came around and uh, I guess most of us Europeans like want to show the rest of the world how strong Europe is because like we always said to hear like uh Europe is a joke or if someone won like a national championship in Europe was like yeah it's a joke because it's just Europe 
And yeah, I think Europe has proven well in the last three to four years that uh, we are the best region. And yeah, right. I think I think like um, it's really it's it's really cool to be a part of like um, a European culture or, or any culture outside of the U.S. because you guys back each other. Where like in the U.S., like we'd rather fight each other. <laughs> Like, we're not, we, you don't see, like, everyone just, like, backing the fucking, the best players in the United States as, like, a group. But, like, when you guys come over, or, or, or the Brazilians, or any, any culture outside of, uh, America, basically, it's, like, you guys have a group of people that are, like, we're, we're here to prove ourselves, you know, where Americans are just, like, woo! whatever we we're the best and it's like oh well i don't know i don't know it's not looking so hot right now guys but i think i think i really do think like because i had um danny um the owner of ddg on my last podcast and we talked about that whole um forming a, a great team where you have like six to seven good minds in the game and 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 i think i think limitless doesn't get that as much credit as DGG does because the run that DGG had last year, but Limitless it, internationally and worldwide, like you guys have fucking dominated, and I think it's because you guys do have that that same type of mindset where you have, like you said, players that play ten plus years, and and you all work together, and and I think you you said it when you said you want to prove that European are the best players in the world and I, I think that extra motivation makes makes it a little you guys get that little hop over everyone um when it comes to limitless when when did you get involved in that and like how involved are you and and how did that even form yeah so that was um like towards the end of the last season where we didn't have like ICs and everything um a couple of us like uh Robin and me of course and then um Three other guys we decided to make the team because uh there was like a, another german team basically which was like technically only one player that got sponsored <laughs> by uh card market okay. which is basically like a european tcg player and then we decided to like also make a team message them and yeah, then we like got shirts and got uh, sponsored by them and eventually we just like grew as like a, a group of players of course and then um after like two years of limitless um eventually like robin started um doing the website and yeah like we uh, started doing streams shortly before that and that has all like developed of course most of the like founding members aren't there anymore except robin and me but we got like other very good players like philip of course joined super like I mean, not even half a year after um, yeah. we founded the team. That, but that was like he only wasn't a founding member because uh, back then he was like kind of taking a break from Pokemon, not really playing too much. But then when the cash error got announced, of course he got like motivated again <laughs> because there was actually like so much money now in the game, and you could actually like get really well rewarded for being good at the game. I mean, be before that it was just like okay, sometimes you might just, like, break even on regionals because you win, like, a booster box, but you also have to pay, like, train tickets and everything. And the only reason why, like, the only tournaments where you could actually, like, prove yourself was, like, nationals and worlds. And now you could actually, like, constantly try to 
go for like those big finishes, put effort into the game and actually be rewarded. So that helped a lot. And then, of course, eventually we got like Pedro, Fabian, Jesper. They all joined the team. Well, who, whose idea was it to put Jasper on the team? Let's start there. Uh, Actually, that was my idea. Oh, so your biggest regret in life or what? Uh, no. No, you fine. love Jasper. Sometimes, I love some, the kid. He's my favorite player. Sometimes he can be a little stupid, but I mean, uh, every, everyone is sometimes a little bit stupid. It was so funny this weekend. He was like, 3-0. <laughs> and he's like in, in the group chat with me. And he's like, 3-0, baby. I'm like, all right, dude. Just just finish this out. He like fucking takes it. Yeah, just just does shit. I'm like, wow. Then he goes into the cup the next day. And he gets back in the chat. He's like, 4-0, baby. I'm like, oh, so it's time to fucking lose? Is that what we're doing here? He's like, no, you know. Not this time. Oh, I love that kid. Um, But like, Limitless as a, as a whole, like this website is insane. Like, the... the there's no like there's no source like this where everything's so simple like a simple click and like is this all like you and 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 uh Philip and and Robin that are doing like all the coding and stuff for this or do you guys hire people or how does this all go down cuz this is it's so well put together like i use this on my po- podcast every week I mean, the coding is mostly just Robin. Like, really? Philip and I, like, we don't even have a clue how to <laughs> like, do, like, do anything like this. But, um, of course, like, we all put a lot of, like, thought in the, like, how we want the website to look at the beginning, like, what should be on there. I mean, all the stuff, like, the rankings where you could, like, see, okay, what's the most successful team? Who are the most successful players? Just, like, all of this. And I mean, that basically started um, because there was like a website that collected pictures of deck lists like on Tumblr and it just felt like super inconvenient and on like the Limitless website, the deck set is like much better collected and you can just like, it's like way better to just like search for stuff, um, like Dude, see what you want to see. Like this is the best shit ever. Like, uh, like if you had to, Think of, like, a perfect way to do it. I think you guys did it. I, I, I don't know. It's perfect. Uh, dude, whose idea was it for the the, the pricing? Where, like, hiring... That shit is sick. Actually, actually, I don't know, but probably probably Robin's idea, yeah. I guess. That shit is so funny. I'm like, damn, my deck was worth that much? I could have played it for $10. What was I doing? Yeah, I mean... It's funny. <clears throat> but let's... let's uh. Let's look at your your stats. So, pretty much, a, pre, this pretty much starts in the money area. Um, you had decent finishes in, in the four regionals. And you played almost four different decks. Um, are you an advocate of, of sticking to one deck? Or, or, you, or you get with your team and you guys just decide what the best deck is? Uh, that really depends. Um, like a lot of times, for example, in uh, like 2017, 2018 season, um, like we switched basically after every tournament. I mean, you could see like Sydney, where we all played Zurugadi, taught one with Zurugadi. We performed like super worth the deck, but we still switched one week after yeah. because we expected uh, people to, of course, try to counter the deck and we just expected the meta to change. But then there's also times like uh, last season when I played Zeppies for four <laughs> tournaments straight. 
Right. Um, I mean, it just depends. Like when I when I find a deck that I really really like, I of course like to continue playing it if it stays good because you get more and more practice with the deck and um, like you're you're way less likely to uh, misplay, for example. But that's also like a treat that hurt me in the past when I played Greninja for an entire season, basically. <laughs> and yeah, dude, your team let you really down on that one. <laughs> your team let you down on that one. Yeah, <laughs> they they should have just like eventually they led me to good decks when I started playing Darkrai, but that was a little too late. Little Miss too late. Nelly missed out on top twenty-two, but hey, season after you got Greninja finally with Greninja. Right? I see. It. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but that's the problem. Like because I got that one result at the first region, I was like, "Yeah, the deck is good. Let's continue." It's the continue. best deck ever. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Um, you you like like you said with the Zap Beast thing. Um, because I see that with a lot of players and a lot of players I have on this, so they find that one deck and they just stick with it. And I, I think your explanation was really good when you you said it. Really, just depends on on uh, the meta. Going, going. Let's let's jump into, because obviously you've had good runs, right? You've had great runs. You've won uh, special events and stuff, but you haven't hit that big marker like you did this weekend. Um, going into this this international championship, um, you got obviously you played Mewtwo um, Welder, which was a very popular deck before this format. Um, is that one of the biggest reasons you stuck? You guys stuck with that because you knew it was good, and you didn't have need to like rethink the format. You're like, this is good. It didn't get worse. We're just gonna stick with this. I mean, the big reason was taught because he, of course, played Mewtwo Welder basically ever since Worlds. Okay. And so, of course, he was, like, very experienced with the deck, kept testing it for this format as well. And then when we showed up in Melbourne, I mean, of course, we uh, already talked a lot and tested a lot when we were still in Europe, um, but haven't really touched that deck too far. That was mostly, like, Todd's um, own project that he worked on where we just, like, tested all the popular decks. And then in Melbourne, he shows up with the deck, and uh, the deck was, like... I mean, the initial list was pretty far off from what we ended up playing, like 10 cards off. Um, but we just kept working on the list, eventually added Victini, for example, which um, like had a major impact and was like one of the big deciding factors where we ended up with the deck. Um, yeah, and then we just tested it. Um, since we tried all the other decks, we came up with basically optimal to close to optimal list as we fought uh, for every deck. So we could actually test this deck against the deck, like, the list that we expect to be the best. So if Mewtwo would, like, beat all of the, those decks consistently, why not just play it if right. it can beat all the top decks? And it ended up beating all the top decks. So, <laughs> like, yeah, Fuck. we ended up playing well. So when you go, um, when you're testing, did you expect that much uh, ADPization that there was? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone going to the tournament ex uh, expected Zashi and ADP to be the most played deck, a lot of people before the tournament said it's going to be BDIF. Um, and yeah, I mean, it showed up in like huge numbers, 50% in day two. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we like any deck that we like built or tried, we wanted to make sure that we have a at least 50 50 um, to favorite matchup against ADP Zashian mm -hmm. because otherwise there's no reason to play a deck. Was it, was it, were you even considering playing that? 
Because I, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, uh, like the other half of us ended up playing uh, ADP Zacian, like Pedro, Jesper, and Robin. Okay. They ended up playing uh, ADP. I mean, of course, Pedro um, has been playing ADP the last uh, format already. So he was very used to the deck and wanted to play it. And then Robin always likes to play the new deck because, <laughs> I mean, it I mean it makes sense because uh, technically, um, yeah, I mean, cards just keep getting better yeah. and better. So if there's a card like Zacian, why not play it? Like immediately when we arrived in Melbourne, Robin was like, yeah, I'm going to play Zacian deck. <laughs> He's like, obviously. So, okay. Because like a lot of times you see in these uh, big events where you have these meta discussions that happen on YouTube and they talk about the best decks and everything. It's almost come to like believe that the top players are not going to play these decks. They're going to play decks that beat this deck. Yeah. And like you, you see that a lot. Um, so that's why I asked, I asked, like, was, was that even an option? Because, like, going into, into the tournament, a lot of people had the Welder version of this deck in, like, out of the top five. Not even, like, they're like, ah, oh, the Malamar version is so much better. And did you guys look at the Malamar version and try that at all? Or was, was toward like, ah, oh, we're playing Welder? Yeah, I mean, until, uh, two days before the tournament, actually, Malamar Mewtwo was, like, my top pick. Okay. Yes, it was what I tested by far the most. Um, but then I ended up playing against Todd, and he eight games in a row hit weakness gut energy turn one, and I just kept losing every game. And after the seventh one, I was like, "Okay, Todd, if you hit the turn one weak gut energy again, I'm dropping my deck and I'm playing yours." And <laughs> yeah, he hit the weak gut, so that's hilarious. Like, um, yep, this deck's trash. Weak guards busted. Um, what what's your Oh, uh, I do want to talk. I want to talk about your top four matchup. Obviously, you didn't have top eight matchup, and <laughs> yeah, how? What was the feeling going into the, when that happened? Was it like, oh, cool? I just, I just won a thousand dollars or something. <laughs> and that was super weird. Like, um, of course, Zach and Todd were playing on stream, mm-hmm. um, but they were planning on having two stream matches, so like mm-hmm. two top eights. So they, of course, started Zach uh, and Todd already. And they were like, okay, the rest, like, we go, uh, we're going to do deck checks and everything. And, like, they did my deck check. And I was like, like, the entire time the guy wasn't around. Like, James Cox, he just wasn't there. And, yeah, they were just doing our deck checks. Like, they even told me, um, like, before Zach and Todd even went on stream, yeah, you're going to be on stream. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to play the matchup on stream because if I choke, then everyone's going to see it. <laughs> So, but yeah, then I went to the deck check, got my deck back, like everything was fine, and I stood there, and then some guy came up, uh, yeah, your opponent's gonna get DQ'd, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, but I, I don't really believe it, especially like, they told me immediately, yeah, he's gonna get DQ'd because he submitted like a joke decklist with one basic and 15 energies, and I was like, there's no way that's true, so, right. like, I'm, I'm always, I'm always the, the kind of person, um, like, if something like a game loss for my opponent or whatever, or like a DQ, whatever happens, I, I'm really skeptical until I get judge notifications because I don't want to get too excited. And then in the end, I still have to play, for example, because someone like trolled me or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, but then the judges uh, called me to them and showed me the match. They were like, yeah, your opponent is going, uh, like getting DQ'd and uh, he assigned the match slip. Fuck. I mean, I mean, I was already making uh, game plans for the matchup anyways, and I was pretty uh, confident that I'm going to beat him anyways. He, he was playing but well, I right? mean, 
Yeah. Um, yeah like right. normally, 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 Mill is a super good matchup, anyways. Yeah. But he uh, played his tech against Stinger. He played Aerodactyl. So you have to be careful to like not just run into him just KOing you when you Stinger. So you actually always have to Stinger with a weak card attached. But as long as you can get that, the matchup is still super easy. So right. if I like, I mean, it's basically, just comes down to he has more outs, like more ways to potentially mill my outs with like a Bryceman. For example, if he mills my weak card energy, I can't find it. Okay, I lose. But other than that, I should still win the matchup. So I was still very uh, confident, confident in the matchup. But of of course, of course, it's like much better if you just <laughs> being told, yeah, you win. So, right? Yeah. That's nuts. Like, I don't know. Like, the whole situation is like, how how could someone do that? And like, people are like, gone trying to defend him. Like, I'm like, at the end of the day, he just needs to take responsibility for him not double checking his list. Like, I mean, I mean, the problem is, of course, you can say, yeah, I mean, uh, he submitted a joke list. There's no way that this is his real list. That shouldn't be a like DQ. But on the other side, he played 14 rounds with a non check deck. Like, he could have switched his deck at any point in the tournament. Of course, like, he probably didn't, but right. um, it's still possible that he. Switch this deck because there was no official deck list. So I mean, normally like a deck list error is like a game loss or uh, yeah. or match loss at most. But I mean, there's no way to check it, and it's like top eight in IC. So of course they could have given him only like a game loss. I mean, or like a, like a match loss that I would have still won, and he would have been in top eight. But I think it's fair towards all the other players that submitted correct decklist and everything that he like gets removed from the tournament of course it sucks for him but i, think, I mean i think, I think he will learn from the, he will learn from it it sucks most for the guy who got ninth <laughs> because yeah. because he could have been he had the same record as as him and he could have made it I mean, I mean funnily enough uh like the ninth place jack he actually was one of the people that were defending him, um right? Yeah, defending him the most. We're like, yeah, the DQ's um, bullshit and everything. But, right. yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Right. Has to, like, hope, the judges have to make a decision in the end. Right. I hope no one was giving you shit about that. Because at the end of the day, obviously, you have nothing to do with anything. So. No, I, I only got... Uh, I mean, I, I didn't get flamed. But, like, the judges got flamed for, like, the top four stuff. When my opponent got a double prize penalty. Dude, but that's I mean, not your fault either. <laughs> Exactly, and also right. um, it's not like it's not like he got a prize penalty for just like not shuffling enough uh, ones. He definitely got some like warnings oh, um, oh, okay. prior in the tournament, like because that's how that's like that's how those rulings work. Like you mm. you never get punished immediately. For example, Azul, uh, twenty eighteen uh, LAIC when he <laughs> like lost his finals because of slow play when his opponent was like playing even slower. But the problem was Azul already received a warning in the tournament, so he got the prize penalty, his opponent yeah. didn't. And that was just like the the issue against yeah. him when he didn't shuffle enough. He already didn't shuffle enough prior in the tournament. So Right. Yep. I, th- I I wanna talk about that top four matchup. Going into that Opsigoon bullshit, were you like were you confident or that that seems like not a great matchup for you. Yeah, I, I was confident. I was confident Ooh. that I was going to lose. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I thought. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm like I don't know how he wins this shit. But, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, you're going to try to stinger and then go from there. But, like... I mean, of course, of course, there is a game plan. Like, in game one, I got the game plan off. But it's, like, a super unlikely game plan because you need to stinger. Then you need hood, psychic energy, yeah. and weak energy on your baby blaze. 
So they need to get all of this up while not like losing in the meantime. So that of course like is I mean it was lucky that I got it off once. Then second game he just got his regular game plan. Um I whiffed the psychic energy by one card yeah. when I could have won the game. <laughs> that um, fucking one card. Yeah, I mean I like I even checked with half I mean, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, then, You played it right, you I mean, played it right. But yeah, off I mean, one card, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and and then in game three of course, like the shuffle penalty. Um when and then I even like asked the judge to make sure, okay, what happens when I stinger when he gets a price penalty, does the penalty reset right. or something? I I didn't and know then, that's how that worked. Yeah, I mean I also didn't and then no. I asked and he was like, Yeah, no, the price penalty overrides and then me still like me tunnel visioning super hard, not realizing that my mutual head exactly four mm-hmm. damage counter is going you lost. going going for Stinger and then he plays down communication. I'm like Wait. Yeah. I could lose here if he finds an energy. One energy yeah, like, yeah, but then th- thankfully he, he didn't whiffed, hit it. And, yeah. Oh he whipped the switch, didn't he? I think so. I'm actually not sure. Like I I'm pretty sure he already um like made the face that he lost before even using Stellar Wish, so I assumed he whiffed the energy. <laughs> like, you looked at his face, you do. Like, ah, I got it. But that when he that energy, I was like, what the fuck? But the stinger thing is, like, because I played a lot of fucking checkmate because Pedro showed me the the list you guys were going to play at NAIC um, with uh, Mr. Mime and, and Drachi Prism Star. Yeah. So he showed me that list, and I'm like... Oh fuck! I'm playing that until this isn't legal anymore. So I've been playing Stinger that, and like I had a situation where there was a prize penalty, and like I had just assumed that the prize penalty didn't mean shit because like I'm gonna Stinger anyways, you know. But the way they did it for you is like you only have to take one prize. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, damn! I should have that shit so busted. <laughs> that, made yeah, that, yeah. that makes Stinger even it's so easy but yeah, I mean, do you think just insane. yeah I don't know if he hits that fucking um, energy that yeah. I was like when I see that I see that I'm like I see it coming too I was like wait that shit has four is he gonna do this he's gonna do this okay um, yeah, well, I mean the thing is did and the you? thing is, I, like, I had all the time in the world. I could have just set up a second Mewtwo. Yes, you did. That you had so I didn't time. have to sting in that turn. I know. I was like, hmm, I wonder why. All right. Did, didn't you hit him with a stab, too, though? I don't know. I can't remember. But but, but anyways, you got by that. I was like, uh, one thing, one of my buddies brought up. I don't know. Do you, do you think going forward that we should respect Opsigan or what? I mean, it's really difficult. Like, the deck... I mean, there was one in day two and he got top four, but, I mean, there's also a reason why there was only one, because, I mean, of course, there were, like, a decent amount of people playing Obstagoon, and I think it's weird, because... I mean, it it has a decent matchup against all the top decks, but then it's, like, kind of inconsistent, so it's really weird. Like, I would... I mean, I wouldn't put too much thought into... Like trying to counter Obstagoon, but if your deck can play something to beat Obstagoon, you like should sure. probably play. Yeah, because my buddy brought up because obviously a lot of people are gonna start playing your list. Um, he's gonna put a Muck Muck in in the deck because it's like yeah, yeah one one psychic, two fires, and it does poisons for eighty damage in between turns. Like I yeah. just win, but yeah, um, it's 
I mean, modics are probably gonna like do those like one-off techs that can improve the goons matchup, but are usually like useless. Like no, I mean, it's usually after I see the top four decks are heavily played after. So I mean, it makes sense because they will probably, especially like this weekend and next weekend, a lot of people just like, yeah. oh, obstacles maybe isn't too bad. Let me just play the deck, especially in cups. You I think in cups, you yeah. should be ready for obstacles. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so let's jump. Let's jump into um, your finals matchup. I want to talk about it because uh, I, I assume you're very confident because Tor played that matchup, and I feel like if he he, he was going to win that matchup, if because um, game one obviously went really bad for him right off. Yeah, I mean, the, he, okay. like we we all know he definitely threw. Like yes, he definitely threw. No question. No question. Right. Asked. He he knows himself. Like exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, of course. Like, again, it was, like, super helpful to stay or, like, test with all those, like, mm-hmm. good players from Europe. We talked about the matchup a lot on uh, Saturday, figured out game plans for different situations. Um, in the end, I didn't really get to execute my game plans that we came up with because my prices weren't exactly yeah, like cooperating with me. Oh, both, both, all, both the games you played, you're, you, it was, like, horrible setups. Like, you yeah. had terrible starts. He had terrible starts, too. But, um, I think you, yeah. the I mean, deck, your like, deck was just so much more versatile. You had, you could do a lot of things and he was pretty straightforward. You knew what he was going to do. Yeah. I mean, his, his opening was, uh, pretty strong with like Victini for three energies, both mm-hmm. games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mute is like super versatile, so I can just adapt to different situations where he can only like do one game plan. Of course, he has different attackers, but right. most of them only make sense in certain situations. For example, of course, he can't just go for Victini Prison Turn One, right. like take me for eighty or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Solgaleo, of course, was like MVP by fine finals both games, and yeah, I think well, that is true. I forgot because his his first hand was so trash, and then out of nowhere, he like has six energies on board. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, Nico's in trouble, boys. I'm messaging, I'm messaging Pedro. I'm like, uh-oh. And Pedro's like, uh-oh. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, he's got, he's got the catcher, right? And then you catch her. I'm like, ah, oh, he wins. He did it. Boys, he did it. And I was yeah. like, you knew Zach was just like, fucking, I'm so stupid. But I think that, I think that all comes down to like, you, you had people, on your team that you you were able to talk to that actually played that matchup multiple yeah. times. I mean, I, I, I mean, I also played the matchup. Like, yeah. I actually faced Zek in day two. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I did, mean, you, did you you crush him there too, or what? I mean, I, I lost game one because okay. I misplayed, but then I uh, won, next two. won the other two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were super confident going into that final match. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. we all knew if things weren't going completely horrible on my side and he wants just, like, high-rolling super hard, then I'm just going to win the matchup. Right. That's what, that's what I thought, because like, even in the matchup with Tord, Tord lost that first game because he didn't... He, is that the game where he... Did Dana three welders away? Yeah, that's yeah. like when he lost all his welders. Yeah. And in, I mean, it's still super stupid that he gets a uh, like game loss two games after when he lost the game anyways. I mean, Dude, the whole the whole situation was stupid. Like he already lost the game. Um, even even the like obviously there's some of the community that that's gonna be like, oh that looked 
intentional, but like it definitely doesn't look intentional to me. Like, I mean, he didn't even quick ball for something useful. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, wait a minute. If the quick ball would have done something like insane, like you're like, oh shit, he he needs two Pokemon to do this. How is he gonna do it? And then he did that. Then okay, that makes sense. But like that quick ball really just didn't have an impact. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a stupid mistake from him. Right. And like he apologized right away and the whole thing. But uh, uh, to be completely honest, I think um, Tord gets a pass by a lot of people. Where if it was someone like, I don't know, let's throw um, Raul or someone like that out there. Like, <laughs> I feel the backlash just because their personalities are so more like they can be negative in, in, online and shit and they say shit. Um the backlash would have been so much more. Like, I feel like Tord just... His stock just went up. Like, he literally did something horrible, apologized for it, and then people were like, oh, God, he's such a great guy. Did yeah. you see that? I was like... But if it was, like, Roll or, like, Danny Altamira, like, I knew that piece of shit was a cheater. I knew it. But... I mean... I mean, that just shows, like, how good of an image Tord has been yes. for himself. Yes. So... I agree. Yeah. I think he... By far, like... Might have the best image as a player that's like as good as he is, you know that that it performs as well as he does. Yeah. Um. So you so you win the the tournament. Um. Like how how much of a how how much of that like is this the best feeling you've had in in your Pokemon career? Like I mean, how- it's <laughs> like. Weirdly enough, I think it felt better to make top eight at the event than actually oh. winning, because like up until um, this like OCIC, I've never made top eight at an IC. I've only gotten like I've got top sixteen ones, top thirty two ones. That's it at ICs. Um, so I was always like, I mean, of course, I have all those like amazing players: Robin, One Worlds, One LAIC, Philip, multiple top eights, multiple top fours at ICs. Pedro top four at Worlds won an IC. Todd won three ICs, made another finals. So you just like see all of those players and you're like, I also want like one of those top eights because I feel like every player gets their top eight. Like Rahul got like finally got his top eight at EOIC. Like he was also ch- uh, chasing it so much after like barely losing his uh, win and in against Henry at OCIC last yeah. year. So you see more and more players just like getting their, like finally getting their top eight. And like, Get, finally getting like I mean it wasn't even in the last round it was just like the round before when I beat Danny because I knew I could just like ID the round after or like um, even lose and would still be in a good spot to like still based on tiebreaker made to wait there was actually actually a better feeling like happiness wise um, the finals was more like a relief because I had so much like pressure basically on myself because how many times are you going to get the chance again to play in an IC final and then if you lose you lose yeah. and probably won't get the chance unless you're taught then you get four other chances oh, come on. That's um, yeah. so yeah I mean like actually making top 8 was probably the better feeling I mean winning top 8 would have probably also been an amazing feeling <laughs> but I didn't actually get to play hey, we so, take yeah. this though I mean of course like winning was still amazing but I feel like Making top eight was actually like felt better, right? I, I feel like a lot of players that that go through what you went through, where you make that top eight, you almost feel like all right, like I did it, like 
whatever happens now, who cares, you know? But yeah. Um, if I feel like you fought through that, like you were able to go, you know, I, I can win this tournament. I, I don't know. You have such a weird run. Like obviously you get the free pass, and then you get like a fucking horrible matchup. So like I feel like you you're almost the exception of like the person that's like ah, I'm good with my top eight, and like you just fell into a championship. You're just like, oh, I uh, fuck it, I'll take it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, just like this, the stars aligned in my favor that weekend, and yeah, it's pretty dope. Because uh, you know, you you hear I hear it a lot where people they get to their top eight and they're they're content with top eight. And then by the time the tournament's over, they're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, I should have played as hard as I can to win the tournament. But I, like, felt relief after I got top eight. And uh, and then I, like, fucked up. And I feel like you you felt that relief of, like, I, fucking, I did it. I made top eight. And then you got the free pass. And then you uh, you did fuck up in the obstacle but we fucking made it past that and then yeah. you hit the fucking championship versus like a very confident matchup and uh, I, I like to see that that's kind of dope I mean I feel like like both things go kind of hand in hand you can be relieved but you also can still like keep your focus mm-hmm. still try to win more because like I've always been that kind of guy for example um, when I made my first uh, regional finals I also was like, okay, I just want to get a trophy this tournament, like top four. Yeah, let's get top four. But then I still like tried super hard to win a top four. And then, of course, like I also tried in finals. So I feel like that's important to like stay hungry, basically. Like mm-hmm. even even if you get that super big result, like for example, now, like of course I won the IC, but I still really want to do well at Worlds. So right. I'm, I'm still not going to like get lazy, stop grinding. So that's good. Yeah, I feel, I just, I feel yeah, like... I think I think that breeds the type of competitors you surround yourself with. Like, like you said, you the literally the people that you play with, their their chart of work is insane. Like Pedro and Philip and Robin and Torn, and you're like, like I I need my dues. I need this, and you surround yourself with people like that. And I feel like a lot of players, like even myself, when I got the top eight, and I've said this story multiple times on here. I was happy. I like got the top eight. I didn't have that person with the experience that that's done that to go. All right, buddy, it's time to win. Like it's time. Like this isn't. It's, you can win this. And it wasn't until I lost the top four. I go. What the fuck was I doing? Like <laughs> I should have. Like because I misplayed so hard in top four. I literally, I was playing Archies and I didn't put Archies in my discard pile. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you get this far and do that? Like, it was just like, oof. And it wasn't on stream, so there's no proof. So if you're listening to this, that did not happen. All right, okay. see. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's, um, I think uh, if anything, people that are listening to this, because uh, a lot of times a lot of unknown players or people that aren't in social teams, they do find their way into top eights and if you are listening to this, you can win, guys. Just you can win. Just fucking focus. Top eight's cool, but winning is way cooler, guys. Yeah, I mean, if you like, if you make top eight, you already won like ten rounds or whatever, and you just need to win three more. Right, three more, win the whole thing. Um, the grind, the grind through, and I see, especially um, 
I I would like I I think the grind through OCIC might be the hardest because it's so small and there's so many good players. Like uh, Jesper was hitting like Pedro and then like it's just back to back to back of like killers. Is, is that is that do you agree with something like that? Where 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 you see a smaller tournament um, be a harder grind through day one? <coughs> I mean, it it really depends. I mean, of course, you're more likely to like hit good players, but you can also just play them. But I mean, from what I've heard, or like what most people think, it's like NAIC is the easiest because you just have. <laughs> I mean, you okay, you so. It's fine. I mean, for for example, like compared to this OCIC, NAIC was like three to four times the amount of players. Yes. So of course, you have much more. Like, the player level, of course, is much lower. Like, I faced, like, in my day one already, I faced uh, uh, Jake Miller, Robin, Michael Pramovat. Right. And then, um, and also, like, the rank one uh, Japanese player from last season. Like, that's already four amazing players in nine rounds. Um, And then, of course, day two, uh, I mean, of course, in day two, you face good players. But I ended up facing uh, Danny. Uh, I faced Bird, and then um, I would have faced Todd, but thankfully we could have ID'd. like we ID. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the player level is definitely very high, and I yeah. mean I I don't think any um, international is particularly like much easier because eventually you will have to play against yes, good yes. players like. Even like the top eight from this uh, tournament could have been the same in LAC, same at NAIC, you would still have to beat the same players. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's probably easier to like get day two, but day two is where the mm-hmm. real grind starts, anyways, and there the player level is about the same at NAIC. Right. I think I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there. This is my opinion. I do believe the OCIC is the hardest of the ICs uh, because the numbers are so small. But the players are so stacked. Um, just like you said, the, the names that you named off in day one, you, that would never happen. That you, you are the most unlucky person in the world if that happens at any other tournament. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so rough. And, and, yeah. and for you to do something like that, it's fucking dope. Especially on your first one, I think. Um, yeah, you need more credit for, for this tournament. You, you crushed it. <laughs> and we gotta get you that Taco Bell sponsor, and uh, I owe you some some drinks and, and fucking NAIC because, dude, I was talking so much shit. I was like, did you? I tweeted when you made day two. I tweeted you. I was like, um, congratulations on your first day two. <laughs> but I was like, the only person that's gonna remember that is fucking Pedro because that that kid. Uh, uh, at fucking Dallas when he came out to us and I was like, yeah, Nico, been playing 20 years, never did to <laughs> Nico's like, I'm fucking, out. Fucking <laughs> Pedro. Fucking Pedro. Oh, shit was so funny. And then, uh, and then it wasn't until I'm like, oh, he made day two, he's doing well. And then I'm like, he's 3-0 in day two. I messaged Pedro, I'm like, hey, Nico's winning this, right? And he's like, yeah, Nico's winning. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck, he did it. Yeah, and I think uh, I, it was really cool to see the how much um, support you got on on online from from yeah, a definitely. lot of players. 
Especially the Taco Bell shit, like that that drives you, dude. We have yeah, to yeah. fucking figure that out because the the whole meme in the chat was insane. Every time you did anything, like it came down to like one point, it's like, well, how much how much uh, does Zach like Taco Bell? Like, are we really like <laughs> who likes Taco Bell more? I'm like, no one likes Taco Bell more than Nico. All right, guys. yeah, that's true. That's a fact. <laughs> Those are facts. Uh, um, but I think. Um, before we wrap this up, I just want to get, like, what, uh, what's your end goal here when it comes to competitive Pokemon? Obviously, you're in school, you're gonna graduate eventually, is this, is Pokemon forever for you, are you, or are you hanging it up eventually? Um, are you gonna start a real life and get kids and shit, and play Pokemon, be a Poke dad? Like, what's, what's going on here? Or is this something you just haven't thought of? I mean, it's I mean, it's hard to tell because I mean, uh, it really it really depends like how motivation sticks and everything. I mean, of course, like the end goal technically is winning worlds, okay. like for every for every player. But exactly. winning worlds also probably wouldn't mean that like I would quit right after. For example, I'm walking away if I win worlds. Just so everyone knows, <laughs> peace. Um, so it's like I mean, it's hard to tell. Like I I don't know how many more play, but for the Time like near being. future, I will, I will definitely continue playing, and then of course, like graduating, and then like uh, real life, like job, family, everything. I mean, that's of course like something that's gonna happen, but we will see how fast and how like Pokemon will still be involved. Yeah. But I think like Pokemon will definitely be. I mean, it will like a, it, a part of me will always be part of Pokemon, whether mm-hmm. I play or not. But yeah. yeah, we will see how long I. Will be part maybe, of this game. Well. All right. Maybe you're moving to Australia. You might have found someone out in Australia you like. No, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, who, who knows? knows? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> That's so great. Um, um, on that note, dude, we'll we'll wrap this up. <laughs> um, you got any uh, um, shout outs you want to do? Yeah, I mean, of course, like the players I've talked about in this podcast, they. Um, helped me a lot to grow as a player, especially um, Philip, because he was like um, the person that got the most competitive the earliest when the cash arrow started. So um, he was always someone you could really look up to because of his like uh, the work that he put into the game and like the talent that he brings as well. And he also like helped me a lot to just like improve the mentality and everything to um, how to view the game. For example, a lot of people just like blame luck or whatever or bad ing. Uh, and Philip taught me to just like stop doing that and focus more on like improving as a player. And then of course, like Todd, definitely the best player in history. I don't think anyone still doubts that. I mean, of course, people can still argue that Jason is the best player because he won three worlds, but. It was ages ago, the player level was much lower, and what Todd has done, there will probably no one that ever matches that. And yeah, just like also all the support that I've gotten from uh, from people, I mean, just amazing people that I've met in the game that have supported me this weekend and in general. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, but for now, guys, uh, we're going to scoop it up. Thank you.